Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to another podcast episode, Credit Union's Coffee and Conversation. I'm Patty Corkery, and I'm thrilled to have you here uh, with me today. Um, I am very excited about this guest. Yes, I know I say that about everyone, but it was really, really cool to have the opportunity to have a casual coffee conversation with my friend, the Honorable Todd Harper, the NCUA chairman. How cool is that, that we're we're scoring these awesome guests? I'm so proud of us (laughs) at our little podcast uh, to get some great people on there. And uh, Todd is no exception. Um, I know a lot of you listening have had an opportunity to meet him. And maybe the only time you've heard from him is in a formal presentation or when he's talking through real specific issues. Um, Well, this is a way to get to know him in a much more casual environment because you better believe it. I went there. I asked him what's on his nightstand. I asked him what people get wrong about him and describe his day. So we really get to know Todd in this episode. And of course, we hit on some credit union um, topics along the way. So just a little background on um, Chairman Harper, who obviously wanted me to call him Todd. Um, He has been the NCUA chair since January of 2021, and he sits in that capacity currently. Um, He was a board member prior to that from April 2019 until he became chair. And then prior to that, he worked as a director of public and congressional affairs and chief policy advisor to the chairman at the NCUA. So he's really been, for the most part, with the NCUA since around 2011. Prior to that, he spent about 14 years in various capacities with the um, U.S. House of Representatives. Um, He goes into that a little bit, his work with Congressman um, Paul Kinjorski, um, and he shares a little bit of how he ended up in D.C. You know, he's from Indiana. He's a Midwesterner and he tells us his story on how he got there and (laughs) that his income as an intern in D.C. was the same amount as his rent. And he talks us through that whole experience. So I had a lot of fun and a lot of laughs um, with our NCUA chairman. And Todd is a great guy. And next time you are in a room with him, please go up and introduce yourself and and say hi. And you'll have some funny things from this podcast to raise in conversation. Without further ado, I give you my conversation with Todd Harper. Well, last I saw you, we were at the Acuel event, which... Indeed. Yeah. So for those people listening, it's the... um, American Association of Credit Union Leagues. And I love some of these events because it really provides some of those social settings um, to get to know people better. And I don't know if you remember this, but we were in Charleston and we were on that rooftop engaging at a reception and we just started talking about podcasts. And of course, after that chatter, you're like, uh oh, and I slid in my, hey, do you want to be on the podcast that we have here in Michigan? So thanks for uh, agreeing. Let's just kick it off, um, Todd, by saying, hey, tell us your story. Uh, so first of all, Patty, thank you uh, for inviting me. I'm, I'm delighted to be here. And you know, I can't say no to you. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and, and I also love a good podcast. Uh, my story, uh, I'll, I'll start with that I am a Midwesterner. And I am that Midwesterner who grew up on Lake Michigan. Uh, In fact, Patty, my family starts in and around Benton Harbor, St. Joe's, and they go all the way around to Milwaukee. And I grew up on that 45 miles of shoreline in Indiana, three blocks from the lake. 
Uh, no spent way. a lot spent a lot of time over in Berrien County where my great grandmother lived, where my grandmother was born ra raised. Um, uh, also, too, my grandfather lived there briefly uh, when his family was running a farm uh, during the Depression. So, I, you know, I know that part of Michigan pretty well. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, that's the where I'm from, you know, who I am, Patty. Um, we're all a creature of our families and our upbringings and, and raising. And, and, and there's a particular story that I, I think more than anything contributed to who I am. Okay. over the years. And that's when I was seven years old. Uh, we moved to a new house. In fact, that house that was three blocks from Lake Michigan or so. Nice. And two blocks away was a candy store. And I was earning a $2 a week allowance at the time for chores around the house. Okay. And what do you do with $2 a week? But you go to that candy store and yeah. nobody told me in the family that I needed to save for holiday gifts or for birthday gifts. And actually I kind of got the double whammy because my mom's birthday is six days after Christmas. Oh, wow. uh, and, and, and I had no money. Uh, and uh, the, my first experience with credit was from the most local of cooperatives, it, that bank of mom and dad <laughs> gave me a no interest loan. Nice. Uh, I paid it back at 50 cents a week uh, uh, and have long ago paid it off, but I'm indebted to them. Uh, in so many ways. And I also didn't learn until well after uh, that all occurred with my life. There's a reason why they did it. It wasn't just personal budgeting. But Patty, the fact is, is that credit unions are in the fabric of my family. Not only did my dad start a teacher's credit union in um, Illinois, yeah. but my grandpa started a credit union at a soap factory in Indiana. Oh, cool. And um, uh, through my parents, who were both public educators, I got this deep commitment to public service. When I went to college, um, one of my two big activities was in Alpha Phi Omega, which is a co-educational service uh, uh, fraternity. And um, I, I, I just really have this commitment to giving back to others and help others. That said, I'm also a child of the 80s. And what do we know about children of the 80s? Uh, we were encouraged to go to business school. Uh, we were the <laughs> Alex P. Keatons of the time, for those yes. of your, uh, listeners who may remember family ties. Uh -huh. um, turns out that I uh, went to business school not to go into business, but to regulate. And um, I, undergraduate at Indiana University, so another Big Ten commonality yeah. that we have with uh, Michigan State and University of Michigan. I believe both of them have credit unions, uh, part yep. of your league as well. For sure. Um, and um, I eventually started, my first job was in Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Um, oh. I decided I was going to build this career on the soft side of business regulation, the healthcare, the environmental policy, the labor policy. I really was interested in those issues. And I went to grad school with the idea that I would go and learn and turn my career to work on Capitol Hill and work on those issues specifically. And that's exactly what I did. And I landed with a guy named Paul Kinjorski. Right. Uh, 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 those uh, members of yours who've been around long enough may remember that Paul was the Democratic lead sponsor of the Credit Union Membership Access Act back in uh, 1997 and 98, as we were fighting uh, to uh, fix a Supreme Court decision and allow multiple common bonds uh, to exist. I became, um, uh, my first real involvement with, with credit unions as a policy issue was because of that. Yeah. And shortly thereafter, I was asked to be his uh, uh, legislative director. And he said, I want you to take over 
my banking committee work? And I said, no, I want to do the soft side of business policy. Mm. And we had a six month year long lead time because the guy who was in the job uh, was uh, leaving to get married. And so there was the engagement period. And over that time, Paul wore me down uh, to the point where eventually he said, try it for a year, see if you like it. If not, we'll figure something else out. Right. I think you you pay attention to details. I think you'll really will like this policy. I tried it out and I loved it. And yeah. you know, here I am 25 years later as the uh, chairman of the NCUA. So that's you know who I am and how I got here. So did you, lots to unpack there, but did you think, it, was the NCUA being on the board even on your radar as you were coming up or was it something you were striving for or did things just kind of happen, click, 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 click to lead you there? Yeah, so, you know, first of all, I always wanted to be a leader. And yeah. so, you know, we we do position ourselves in that way. Being a board member and now chairman of the NCUA was not on my radar. Yeah. And in fact, um, there there were times when people say, you know, you're going to be a board member one day. And I'm like, no, 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 that's not in my plan. Yeah. And uh, when you get asked if you're interested by, you know, in my case, I was asked by uh, Chairman Brown of Ohio uh, on the Senate Banking Committee yeah. and uh, Democratic leader Chuck Schumer whether I'd be interested to putting my name in. Yeah. It, 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 you kind of have to say, well, you know, I've been building towards this moment and I guess maybe this is the right thing. Yeah. And, um, so I was not on my, um, if you will, to-do plan list, right. except to be a leader in some capacity. It just so happens that I ended up here both because of uh, my experience, my knowledge, uh, skill set, but um, also to my 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 love and compassion for what the credit union industry does, and that's yeah. to provide credit and savings and to meet the needs of people, especially those of modest means. That's so important. It's really uh, it gets me up each morning. Yeah, for sure. That's so cool. And just how, you know, at a young age, as you were describing, you know, credit unions were on your radar. It's in your family blood, you know, with your dad and your family in credit union space. And so many people I talk to that work in our industry, um, they're like, I never planned to work at a credit union. That wasn't, you know, and then they just end up there. And same for me. I mean, my my dad was in the credit union industry. My brother's a credit union yeah. CEO. And it just becomes this thing. And then you don't want to leave. And so you're always kind of filling some sort of capacity in that space. Because yeah. for me, and, and I'm sure you'd agree, um, it's the people. It's not just the people that work and volunteer at credit unions, but it's the people that they serve. And you can get super passionate about all three of those segments, yeah. you know? Yeah. You really can. So what's okay. So being the chairman, what's a, I know all days are going to be different. You don't have a standard day, but what's your typical day? I mean, what, to the best you can describe it, like starting from the morning, do you have a long commute? Like what, what's your day? Like, do you eat breakfast? Do you work out? Just tell us the, all the details. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, 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 so you want Todd Harper up close and personal. Yeah. Uh, uh, what are you going to tell us? Uh, following me on the webcam. Um, <laughs> you know, first, um, uh, I do get up and I put on my pants just like everybody else does right, right. And, and get ready. And, you know, now that we're back in the office more often, I'm coming into the office almost every day of the yeah. week. Um, I've got my podcast time back. 
And yeah. so I can listen to my leadership podcasts, my news podcasts, my public interest podcasts, just my my my, my um uh, 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 you know brain candy uh, sure. uh, uh, pop ca- uh, podcasts as I drive in. Um, uh, I have a team meeting each morning with my uh, uh, group of uh, direct reports where we, you know, one talk through the schedule, but then I can go through each person and they've got, you know, that five minutes or so to share with me, what do I need to know? What's coming? Uh, what decision points do they need to, uh, what conversations they had? Uh, so that, you know, that starts the day. Right. Um, I then um, have, uh, you know, multiple meetings during the course of that day. More often those meetings are internal to the agency, certainly. Um, uh, and then, you know, there's, you know, sometimes a, a credit union trade organization will come by and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll meet with them during the course of the day, or right. I'll give a speech today. For example, um, we welcomed our new examiners and new employees for the month of January in an orientation. And I went down and I, I, I spent some time talking to them, uh, often, um, each day, I shouldn't say often each day, but at least three times a week, I have a meeting with our executive director's office. Uh, and uh, where we're going through sort of more the nitty gritty and the planning um, uh, of the issues. I typically wind up my work day somewhere between six and eight o'clock. I get in the car, I go home, I have dinner. um, And right now I've made a real commitment to myself and, and, and that's to walk each night. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm hitting about uh, almost 11,000 steps a day on average this year. Uh, and is it is a lot, uh, yeah. but you know you do three to four if you come into the office. So it's really it's an hour of walking, where I do some more of that podcast. Um, I do some computer fun time for me, uh, and then I go to bed and get and start it all over again. Yeah, that's quite a day. Well, I know we were talking about podcasts, but any of the the kind of the brain candy ones that you were mentioning in the morning, um, any, any come to mind? I hate when I'm asked this because I always forget the names of things, but any leadership podcast or industry podcast that, you know, really are something you really like to listen in on? Oh God. Um, so I, you know, I, one podcast I listen to and it, it records each day is the, uh, NPR's, uh, uh, uh political, um, um, show. I, it, okay. it, it gives a, a quick, quick, succinct, uh, overview of the day. Another podcast I absolutely love for leadership is the Harvard Business Review IdeaCast, uh, mm-hmm. where they're talking about management theory and management trends. Um, I also listen regularly to um, uh, the CU Insight Leadership Broadcast yeah. because it, it a podcast because it's a really good way uh, to uh, pick up ideas. Um, fascinating podcast that I listen to. Um, uh, uh, two of them. Uh, brain candy and fun, 99% invisible. Uh, just listen to the history of six on six women's basketball in the state of Iowa and how it came to be <laughs> and why it was just so important. I, I love listening to that uh, uh, podcast. I said, so that's, uh, that's 99% invisible. And, and then another one is, um, oh boy, uh, it's going to come to me, Dakota Ring. Okay. Uh, and uh, Dakota Ring just um, the episode today was called The Sideways Effect, and it's about how the movie Sideways became this cultural thing and affected the wine industry and how that changed behaviors mm-hmm. and whatnot. So, it, you know, it, I, I like to have a little fun and then um, just just totally pure fun, Patty. 
Um, I love Smartless. Yep, Smartless. Uh, uh, That's what we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, uh, Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, um, as well as um, uh, Sean Hayes. Yeah. Just a great, I laugh every time out loud that I listen to yeah. them. You know, uh, when I was thinking about that format, you know, it seems like they legitimately don't know who the guest is. So they yammer on yeah. for 10 minutes while somebody really famous is like supposedly waiting. And they, I think you and I were talking about this. I think they legit, two of them don't know who the guest is. Yeah. And I think that would be so fun. But in my world, I, I probably wouldn't even like the people I'm talking to, a lot of them I recognize by face, but I'd be like, I don't know who the heck this person is when they pop up on the screen. For them, you're, yeah. you know, when it's George Lucas chiming in, you're going to know who that is. Or I mean, Steven Spielberg was that yeah. I listened to the other week. It's, it's amazing who they get on. Yeah. I know. Insane. So I like that one too. Well, I made a quick list of all of these because a lot of the people that listen to our credit unions, um, credit union conversation podcast, um, are young, are young professionals. I yeah. think, you know, I meet some people like you that really are into podcasts, but I think especially for our YPs, they love it because kind of, you know, the CU leadership one you referred to CU insight, yeah. you're really getting to know, you know, how other people think and what's important to them and how they kind of came up and all of that good stuff. And, yeah. um, it's just good stuff to do while you're walking. Um, so that's awesome. And um, I'll, I'll make a note of those. Another one, I don't know if you've checked it out, but I enjoy, it's called The Best One Yet. So it's now abbreviated T-B-O-Y. Okay. And it's actually two guys, it's a business podcast and they cover three hot stories in the news surrounding business. So oh. and they break it down. It's super quick. They're hilarious. And it's like 15 or 20 minutes. And I tell our YPs, I'm like, if you want to have a nugget to bring up like at a cocktail party or something. Yep random yep. if you listen to that you'll have it and it's a super quick listen and it's it's really entertaining so it's all focused on business but that's one to check out you I, might I am, I, i'll check it out yeah um okay so thanks for covering your day um and so for those listening you live in the alexandria area have you so since i know you were with the house in various capacities for around 14 years so when did you leave the midwest and head to dc so um, my senior year of college uh, in 1989, the fall of 89, I came out to do an internship on Capitol Hill. Uh, and so that was really my first time out uh, to DC uh, and I ended up loving it. Uh -huh. And so when I graduated in the spring of 90, I immediately came out here. Uh, I was lucky enough to uh, get my first job uh, within two weeks of graduating. Wow. Uh, at the labor department, as I said earlier. So the event, I, I, I've been here mostly since 1989, except for the, that one semester back in Indiana, and then four semesters of grad school up in Boston. Nice. Oh, wow. Yeah, you were up at Harvard. Just, you know, some little school up there in Boston area. Um, that's well, I've heard crazy stories from some interns. It sounds like you're making next to nothing. You have like six roommates. You're staying up late every night. Was that your experience? Um, so I shared a studio apartment with another intern. Yeah. We each paid $500. Uh, so the rent was $1,000 a month for a studio in 1989. Uh, and um, I made exactly $500 a month. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. we're, we're, do the math and I, I was in the red. 
Yeah. So were you borrowing from your, your dad's credit union at that point? <laughs> uh, no, no, actually I wasn't. I was fortunate enough, Patty, uh, that I had done, as, as, I, I overcorrected after that mistake when I was seven. Oh. So that by the time I was 11 and interest rates were at 18%, anytime I could pull together $500 from my paper route, from birthday money, uh, mm -hmm. from uh, mowing lawns or whatever, I would open a five-year CD at 18%, which was $1,000 uh, by the time I got to college. And I used that money to help finance my internship. You were Alex P. Keaton. I that really was. was. You. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, though. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, my my daughter is, you know, she would always be, you know, kind of the, the dorky one in high school and college. I'm like, that's going to pay off for you big time. You know, yeah. you'll be you'll be laughing at these kids. Uh, uh, Patty, if you really want to have fun, and I've done this with friends at a dinner party, um, ask them to describe themselves in three fictional characters. Ah, and, you know, and uh, and I've ultimately come up, Alex P. Keaton is obviously one of mine from Family yeah. Ties. I, I I will admit I've become a bit of a Niles Crane with age from I Frasier. That's, uh, he's kind of uh, neurotic there a little bit. Kind of, yeah, a little <laughs> bit, but, uh, you know, uh, uh, and then um, I'm also Kermit the Frog. Uh, mm -hmm. I, you know, I love to use humor and I love how Kermit brings together diverse people uh, yeah. to make a team work as one. Yeah. Well, you know, Kermit is, he's so thoughtful. Like I just picture him on the log with rainbow connection. Yeah. <laughs> he's just so <laughs> You're showing your age, Patty. <laughs> I know, I know I am. And, but you know what? I think each three of those, that there's good nuggets from all three. So that's a great answer. I'm going to have to think about who mine are. So yeah, next time we meet, let me know. Yes, I will chew on that and let you know. Um, so hitting on a couple uh, credit union topics, again, you know, just trying to keep this light. I know our time is winding down. Um, but one thing that's kind of just in my mind is, you know, in 2021, we it became camels, right? We went yep, from camel yep. and then added an S, um, removing that interest rate risk from the liquidity risk by adding S, um, talking through sensitivity in the market. Um, I'm sure that was, you know, well-received. So we can kind of dig into those things separate, but yep. any overall, you know, insights or trends that you're seeing now that you're kind of looking at things in that separate category, especially in this crazy market? Well, you know, situation. Patty, in so many ways, it was really fortuitous. I mean, all of the other federal banking regulators had moved about 25 years earlier to add the S <laughs> to camels. Yeah. Um, and more than half of the state regulators for credit unions had moved to adopt the S. So we were kind of behind the curve. Now, one of the reasons why we were slow to adopt is, you know, if you go back 25 years ago, credit unions weren't making the amount, number of mortgages that they're making today. And, you know, those, those fixed rate, long-term 30-year notes. And yeah. I think we were like, we were in the teens in terms of uh, the total portfolio. Today, we're at half of the, the credit union loan. So there's a lot more of that long-term tail risk. And we made this decision uh, coincidentally at the exact same time as we've seen a really high spike in interest rate risk, yeah. as well as we're starting to see a, a good number of credit unions, including some with more than a billion dollars in assets with liquidity risks. They were going out and originating to sell loans um, mm -hmm. or to participate those loans. And as the market rates rose up quickly, they got stuck with those loans on their books that they don't want to sell for a loss um, for obvious reasons. So it, it, we ended up actually making a really 
good timing on that because uh, we're certainly focused on those two issues. Yes. Another issue that I'm uh, really still focused on, Patty, is cybersecurity risk. Uh, it, that continues to grow every day. I'm really pleased with our new information security examination uh, that we're rolling out now. It's uh, it's going to meet credit unions where they are in their journey on cybersecurity, yeah. whether you're a small credit union, a medium-sized, or a large credit union. We're going to adjust to that, and we're going to be able to work in partnership with credit unions so that they can make sure that they're doing the best that they can be doing when it comes to cybersecurity. Uh, and then I guess sort of the last risk that I'm, I'm worried about these days um, is credit risk. Yeah. Uh, we're all fearful for what might happen with the economy. Uh, and if the economy goes south, I know that delinquencies will rise as will charge offs. And uh, so I'm watching that one pretty closely. Yeah, I mean, from what I've heard a little bit, I mean, for a while, we were all just going, you know, biting our, you know, chewing our nails, wondering what was going to happen in the delinquency space. And, you know, with everything that came in to members, you know, with stimulus dollars, it seemed like we put that at bay. But on calls that I've been on, I, you know, we're watching it, we're watching it. And yes, it's going up a little. Yep. No one's like, but those trends. Not yet. But, you know, what we're seeing is people are drawing down yeah. those, those yeah. monies that came in. Oh, yeah. You're seeing an increase in credit cards, which actually could be a balances, which could actually be a good thing overall mm -hmm. for credit unions um, uh, to a certain extent because they're bringing in that income and it's at a, a higher interest rate if somebody is carrying a balance over. Um, right. uh, but, you know, again, if we see an economic downturn, one to two years after that is when you usually see the rise uh, and it peaks in the credit um, credit risk and the ultimate losses. All right. Well, um, thanks for that. One more industry question, and then I'm going to wrap us up with um, top five quick questions that I ask every Ooh. guest. Okay. Um, but we're going to be um, actually along with CUNA and your your home state of Indiana, we're going to be putting on a Midwest conference for small asset credit unions. So we're yeah. gathering together 120 million and fewer asset size. Uh, you know what is we're putting together that agenda, Todd, what what do you think should for sure be up there? I mean, we've heard about, you know, looking for more ways to build income, of course, the staffing issues, anything else that you can think of that would be top of mind for that asset size? <laughs> So I, um, when I last met with uh, CUNA's small uh, credit union uh, committee, yeah, uh, the fight for talent is real, yeah. and credit unions were needing to adjust uh, their pay bands and, and and compensation packages in order to compete, and they were having a hard time attracting. So I think that that's a terrific issue. If I could ask you succession planning, that's yeah. really an important issue. Um, yeah. You know, if you've got that small credit union, you need to make sure that the CEO's pay is being competitive uh, so that when that manager or CEO decides to retire or leave, you're competitive and, and you're not absorbing that loss suddenly. Also, so that you've got somebody trained to come up the ranks and making sure that your board is, is ready there. Um, I would also encourage you uh, to invite somebody from the NCUA, yeah. from our credit union resources and expansion group. Um, we've got free tools that are available to credit unions, such as our learning management system. We also do webinars on specific topics to help small credit unions. And um, uh, frankly, one of the things I am proudest of, uh, Patty, since coming on the board, and, and, and this actually example shows how this board is working together. Uh, when we did last year's budget, 
I said that I really wanted to see something to help support small credit unions. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, and the first staff idea coming back was, let's add a couple of staff members and we'll build out a small credit union support program. And Vice Chairman Hopman uh, uh, came to us and said, you know what, rather than do that, why don't we use the people who know credit unions best? And that's the examiners. And so we're actually allocating a bucket of time to support small credit unions and MDI credit unions to help them with that strategic planning, maybe that new product development, working through an issue or you know a support system. Uh, uh, so use us as a resource for that. We also here runs our minority depository institution um, uh, preservation program, and I'm sure that uh, there are a number of credit unions that are MDIs that are going to be in that group. Yeah, uh, sure. You might want to consider uh, uh, being involved there. Okay, cool. Good. I took some notes. I will. Uh, I know they are either working on getting somebody either from the board or from the NCUA to join us, but I'll make sure Great. they're targeting that resources and expansion group. So wonderful, good, good stuff. Um, okay, so my last five questions. These are again are ways to get to know you better. Okay. Um, so what is on your nightstand at home? I never thought uh, I'd be asking the NCUA chair that, but I'm going to ask you. <laughs> so I am currently reading a book called American Troubadour Mellencamp. Um, it's in part because I am a big John Mellencamp fan. I grew up with his music. It's Heartland Rock. He uh, actually lives in the town that I went to college and he's, he is starting a concert tour on Sunday and I'm going to opening night of the concert tour. And and, and then I'm going to go see him with friends in Las Vegas and then again in Baltimore. So I'm going to be a bit of a roadie. Uh, and, and, but if you think about Mellencamp, uh, Patty, He's about helping the underserved. A lot of people don't mm-hmm. understand or listen to his lyrics closely enough. And um, it's really aligned with what the credit union mission is, uh, <laughs> is helping the underserved and, and giving people a voice. Very cool. All right. So you got his book. So that's good. Yep. good. All right. So what is something that people get wrong about you? Um, so I'm going to go for the most obvious answer, Patty. Okay. That I'm straight. <laughs> uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been in a room and somebody will say, well, your wife, uh, and, and, then, and, and then you have to make the split second decision. Am I going to talk uh, yeah. about the fact that I'm actually a gay or right. am I, you know, am I going to set the record straight? You know, how much time is that going to spend? Am I ever going to meet this person again? Yeah. Um, uh, but it's also too, it's, it's one of the reasons why I am so committed to diversity, equity, and yep. inclusion. Um, I, I put myself in uh, others' shoes, and I understand uh, what it's like not to be part of the great majority in some way. Yeah, uh, and uh, it, it it drives what I do here at the NCUA. Yeah, for sure. And I think we're always learning on these assumptions that we make. You know, I myself came into a Zoom call, and there were two women on the in the squares that I didn't know, and I came in and I said, "Hi, ladies." And as I'm sitting there and we're talking about other things, I look at their little acronym and one of them, it says, you know, they, them on the, and I apologize at the end. I'm like, I'm still learning. So I think the more opportunities that you have to be clear with them when they get it wrong about who your spouse is, the more opportunities you can to correct them. I think it'll make things hopefully to where we are, we end all of that down the road, but it takes that moment of embarrassment to correct ourselves. You know, it's all good. Um, And I I treat it as a learning opportunity and that's a teachable moment. And that's so important. Absolutely. All right. So if you could have coffee with anyone, who would it be and why? 
so do they have to be living? Nope. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, then I, I just uh, was working on some Black History Month messaging uh, here, and I, I am inspired by Maggie Walker. And I don't know if you know who Maggie Walker is, but she was an African-American woman born in 1864, before the end of the Civil War, in mm -hmm. Virginia. She, um, by her own sheer wit and will, rose and, 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 and became a millionaire uh, mm -hmm. as a woman. And she started the first African-owned, uh, women-led bank uh, in Richmond, mm -hmm. Virginia, called St. Luke Penny Savings Bank. Uh, I, I and, have heard of her. Now, the penny saving thing brings about. Yep. Yep. And um, uh, she not only uh, ran that bank to, you know, provide loans and give opportunities for African-Americans, but she also created um, uh, vocational training programs. Like she had a whole store so that people could learn how to be sales clerks. She ran her own newspaper. She, mm -hmm. she, she was just this force of nature. And I would just love to meet her and to get in her shoes and to find out what, not only what drove her, yeah. uh, but some insights on leadership that I think I could use today. There's so many stories of people of color or women that just have not been told, you know, which, you know, brings us to that, you know, how, no wonder you like the 99% invisible things that you just haven't heard of before. Yeah. And what a, a dynamic story. That would be a good conversation, I'm sure. Okay. A bucket list travel destination. Um, I... So I have this fascination. I saw it on a travel program once. It's called Long Bear Bien. Okay. And it is this archipelago of islands 600 miles north of Norway. It's part of Norway okay. in the Arctic Circle. It is the northernmost settlement in the world. Wow. And I want to go see it before our planet gets too hot uh, yeah. and uh, that the icebergs melt and the polar bears and the seals and the walruses and the whales uh, go away. And so yeah. uh, I'd like to get there sometime in the next five years, possibly. Uh, I, I think it would be really uh, you know, fun to do that. And then um, uh, Patty, just sort of on a, a professional level, yeah. uh, I, I had to get in the field initiative and I made a commitment when I joined the board that I was gonna get to all 50 states okay. before I left the board. I got to get to Michigan. Uh, and you've got my commitment to doing that. You haven't been here yet? I have not been as a board member. I've right. met with you. I've met with you yeah. all as, you know, a league when you've been in town here, but I, yeah. uh, and online, but I've not yeah. actually come out to Michigan. Okay. Good to know. We, we're going to keep trying then. All yeah. right. Last question. What okay. is a trait or a quality um, that every leader should strive for? So I want to frame that. Um, yeah answer it just a little bit. As I've grown as a leader and learned things, I've learned that you need four things to be a leader. Okay. First, you have to have vision. What's your strategic direction? What's your voice? Uh, what's your, where, where are you going? How are you leading? What are you striving for? Your second is your voice. How do you communicate it? Those first two things came relatively easy for me. You also need to have values. Um, you know, what are your leadership values? My leadership values are honesty, humor, humility, and, uh, and um, uh, honest, uh, humility and uh, humanity. Those are my values that I lead by. The thing, though, that was the hardest thing for me to learn was vulnerability. Mm. And so the, the one quality that I would say you really need to have is that authentic 
vulnerability. I mean, by being your authentic self, you're sharing yourself with others, but that sharing of yourself is inspiring them. Mm -hmm. um, and it's also, if, if you're having a bad day, they're going to come and step up to help you because, you know, we have this whole theory of life that everybody needs to be like John Wayne and a tough yeah. guy is a leader. <laughs> That's I, I, the, the right. older I've gotten, the more that I've led, the more I've discovered that being vulnerable and being your authentic self are really what can set you apart as a leader and can give you the ability to inspire others and to achieve success. That's awesome. And I think it's so great that you've really looked inward to be able to describe all four of those things about yourself, because that's not easy to do either. Like how, no. how do you describe yourself? And you got to take a lot of time to do that. You know, where, and I think the vulnerability is, is, is great because not only if you express yourself that way, it gives your team the opportunity to do that with you or the people that are around you. So that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, I'm going to be very uh, aware of your time. And I know you carved some out during your lunch <laughs> to, to talk with us. It was great. I'm, I can't help you get to Northern Norway, but I can help you get to Michigan. So we'll make that happen. Um, I know we have um, your Mr. Hood, I believe, um, coming out in for our annual convention. So if you want to bump him, I'm sure he won't care. And you can come <laughs> yeah. out <laughs> I'll let no. board member Hood uh, uh, so, yeah. center stage, but uh, yeah. we will make it happen, whether For it's sure. in the, the lower peninsula or in the UP. 100%, 100%. We'll make it happen. Well, um, I look forward to seeing you soon. Um, probably at the CUNA. Are you going to the CUNA GAC? Are you popping? Oh, in? absolutely. I'm planning right. to be there. Good. Well, I'll see you there. And um, thanks again so much, Todd, for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure. <laughs> Have a good one. Well, everyone, I hope you agree that that was a great conversation. Um, thank you so much, <laughs> Todd, for joining me. Um, I really, really enjoyed getting to know you um, and and talking through, um, you know, a day in the life of somebody on the NCUA board and, and just so many different things that can kind of come up that give insight to people when you're just asking some casual questions. So I, I really enjoyed it. And um, for those of you that haven't had an opportunity to engage um, with Todd, you know, next time you're at an event, hey, you've got lots of good nuggets now of things to bring to the conversation after hearing this podcast um, to talk to Todd about. You can ask him all about that long year BN um, location. Google it. It's all one word. It's long year. And then it's B-Y-E-N um, in Northern Norway. I'm looking at the pictures right now. It looks phenomenal. And Todd, I hope you make it there, buddy. And please send some pictures if you do. So lots of great stuff um, from the chairman, um, you know, not only getting to know him better, but digging into some, um, you know, interest rate risks and some other risk areas that he's focused on, you know, talking about cybersecurity and um, credit risk and things like that to keep an eye out. Really great nuggets um, for our small asset credit unions, you know, helping uh, us think through what the agenda will be for a Midwest conference coming up for our small asset credit unions. Some great things there. And I loved how he was able to really dig deep and talk about being a leader and 
the the four things that he focuses on, right? Vision, voice, values, and vulnerability. That was really great to hear. Um, listen again to catch all of those podcasts. He gives a great shout out um, to the podcast that he listens to while he's getting his 10,000 steps in. I already downloaded the Harvard Business Review IdeaCast. It's HBR IdeaCast, by the way. It looks like some really great episodes. They also try and keep it short and sweet. It looks like the episodes are around 25 to 30 minutes each. So I'm for sure going to be listening. Um, also trying to get my steps in. So some great, great tips there um, from the chairman. So again, um, thanks so much, Todd, for joining us. And for the listeners, thanks for being here. I really hope you enjoyed this one. And um, just as a reminder, make sure you're following the podcast so you can get all the new episodes and um, and catch us again with our next guest. But I uh, hope you all have a great day and see you soon. Thank you.